0: Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. I love that intro music. I'm not going to lie, I would like intro music every time I walk into a room. would that be great, walk into your kid's room, they need to clean the room, boom, it hits your music as you walk in the door. The kids are like, oh no, daddy's coming. So good morning, I'm Pastor Christian, I am an associate and youth pastor here, a young adult pastor. Um, It is an honor and a privilege to share the word of God with you this morning. Um, We are continuing our series uh, of serpents and doves, and today's title of our message is called Keep It Real. Everybody say, keep it real. keeping it real about that chili cook-off I was robbed last year. (laughs) Yeah, No, Miss Cassie, it's not fair when you compete with professionals, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I, I tried to come in lower than fourth or fifth place, and I succeeded at doing that, but uh, keeping it real, we hear that phrase a lot. Keeping it real, I'm just trying to be real. I'm just trying to. Uh, uh, politicians always say we're we're trying to be transparent. This will be the most transparent organization and administration. Blah blah blah. blah, blah. Right, but how many of y'all know that sometimes when people tell you they're going to be transparent and they're going to keep it real, very rarely is that what you're getting. Right, and the more adamant they are about trying to keep it real and authentic, sometimes the the less accurate that reality is Um, this morning i want to keep it real Um, i believe that in the house of god amongst the people of god it is most important to keep it real amen amen but do you know the reality is that sometimes we are most fake in here can i be can i keep it real can i keep it real real i don't know if you're ready for me to keep it real So my name is Christian. I'm a pastor. But can I keep it real? I struggle. I struggle. I struggle with the man that I am and the man that I want to be. I struggle with God's love for me. I struggle with God's plan for me. I struggle with God's journey that he has sent me on. Can I be real? Do we have anybody else in here who wants to keep it real? Yeah. Anybody else out there know God loves you, but don't feel it sometimes? Anybody else out there know God has a plan for your life, but it feels more like a roller coaster that you're going to die on? <laughs> right? Yeah. Anybody else out there say some Christians, man, everything goes right. You know, they could trip and fall and land on thousand dollars. Me, I trip and fall and it cost me a thousand dollars. Can we keep it real? See, if our faith isn't real, if it isn't authentic, if it isn't transparent, its power to change things is not strong. The very end of this message, we're going to talk about our life needs to bring legitimacy to the message that we preach. It doesn't matter what words you say, if your life is not backing up the words you say. Are those words any less powerful? No. Are they any less authentic? No. But they lose their power because of your life. Satan quoted scripture to Christ. Scripture. God breathed useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness, so the man or woman of God may be thoroughly prepared for every good work. That's the truth. But the one who's delivering the truth was wicked. Can we keep it real? Yeah. Do you know that sometimes a wicked messenger can deliver an honest truth? We don't like that though, right? (laughs) We like to ignore that message because we don't like that person who brought it. But in Christianity, in our journey, in this life that we're in right now, there has never been a time, I don't believe, where we've had more access to more messages and more voices than we do now. My children have their favorite YouTuber. First of all, I had to say, what is a YouTuber? I know what YouTube is, but what is a YouTuber? It's these 20-year-old dudes who are playing with toys and having millions of people watch them play with toys that they have in their home and are making millions of dollars of children liking their video. It is. And my parents, Mom, you lied to me. (laughs) Man, you can become a millionaire (laughs) off of video games and toys. That's how weird and crazy that is. No one saw that coming. So she wasn't lying maliciously. We all just had no idea. We had no idea. This morning, I want to keep it real for us in, in a sense that my mission statement in life is this. When people meet or encounter me, I want them to experience the passion, the presence, and the power of Jesus Christ. That's my mission in life. When you meet me, I want you to know that I am passionate about the Lord and I have his passions in my heart. I want you to experience the presence of God. I want you to know that the presence of the Lord dwells inside of me and what comes pouring out of me is him. If you know I have his passion and I'm treating you that way, if you know I'm full of his presence, I'm guaranteeing you we are going to experience the power of God when we meet You're like, whoa, that's a tall statement. It is a tall statement, and it's a life journey. And like Paul said, not that I have obtained all this. That's the direction I want my life to go. It's my mission. It's my vision. It's what I chase passionately. But you can neither experience his passion, nor his presence, nor his power, unless I'm filled with it. Can we keep it real? Come meet with me again, that song, I love it. Pastor Alicia, she's not even in the room, but I believe worship is a prophetic thing. We can say things in worship that we don't even understand ourselves completely. We can put prayer requests up there that aren't actual to our lives. Sometimes we sing songs that we're not actually feeling or living out, but they're great and they need to become a prayer request. God, right now, I don't desire you more than anything. Right now, there are plenty of other things I want more than you. Can we keep it real? Pl- right now, there are plenty more things in my life that are uh, filling my mind and my heart and my worries and my fears than you right now. Now, I'm singing the song that says, oh, you're old and you're only one. But if I'm keeping it real, that's actually a prayer request. That doesn't make that song less authentic or less powerful. What it means is that in this moment, if I'm keeping it real, God, this is a prayer that I'm not fulfilling right now, but I know I can in you. That meet with me again, will you come meet with me again? Do you realize the answer to that question is always yes? It is always yes. There is never a time he's not wanting to meet with you. There are plenty of times when we don't wanna meet with him. My coach always says it this way. If God seems far away, guess who moved? If God's not feeling real to me, maybe it's I who am being fake with him. Can we keep it real this morning? This is the intro, I know. We're gonna go to the word, it's gonna be good. We're gonna feel great and it's all over. I promise you. But we gotta get through the facade. We gotta get through the fakeness. We gotta get through the mask to get real. You ever have someone in your life who can be real with you. I'm talking real. They don't have to play like that. I I hate the sandwich method. Who knows what the sandwich method is? Sandwich method is a way of of having confrontation where you say something nice, you put like a sweet bread and then you get to the meat of what you really wanted to say. And then you like go to the bottom and say something nice again. I'm not saying that that is a bad technique. I'm saying I personally don't like it because I feel like I'm being defrauded in it because you're saying something nice so that you can say what you really want to say so you can say something nice again. I would prefer to just, what kind of sandwich are we having, bro? Is it tuna? Do I stink today? Right? Is this salami? Do I need hit up the side of the head with a meat stick? Like, what is it? I have some friends in my life who don't have to, to, don't have to play the game or try to weave and bob and they can just come straight to the heart. Straight to the heart. Our... Small group is doing a series called How Is Your Soul? Guys are really good at talking about sports and weather and whatever else, cars and stuff. We just talk about stuff. Women are good at talking about like your families and all that stuff and whatever girls talk about them. I'm obviously not an expert, okay? But, um, uh, but there are a few people who can just look at right us and say, dude, how's your soul? And have the authority to walk into your life and say, and when you tell me, I care. And regardless of your answer, I'm going to be here. Right? I have some friends who are some serious knuckleheads. Right? Like per capita, if you ask my wife, I have some of the most interesting conglomeration of people who like me. And more importantly, people that I like that most people don't. Um, I'm just a sucker for the, the odd ones. I just do. Now, if you're one of my friends and you think that I'm responding to you, Can we keep it real? (laughs) Uh, There's also a phrase that says birds of a feather stick together. So I'm probably one of those strange birds as well. But I want to keep it real this morning. I don't want us to walk out of here hearing platitudes or a TED talk. What I want us to do is walk out of here saying, whoa. I don't want to just know the ought to's. I want to know the how to's. Can we keep it real this morning? Peter. Who knows who Pedro is? Peter's one of my favorite apostles. He's one of my favorite because with the exception of Paul, who's my first, Peter's my second. Um, I, I think I understand Peter. He is Captain Open Mouth Insert Foot. He is the man who says, surely you are the Christ, the son of God. And 15 minutes later is told, get thee behind me, Satan. That's, he, he's, a, he's a wide swing. Right? He's a wide swing. Um, he's the guy who, in the middle of the night, when like, the boat's rocking like crazy, says, Hey, Jesus, if that's you, call me out there. To which the disciples are like, This dude is absolute entertainment. So then he jumps out of the boat, but only Peter knew what it was like to walk on water with Christ. Only Peter knew what it was like to fail when he started looking at the waves and started sinking. And he immediately had the hand of God lift him up. Can we keep it real? I think Peter was very real. There was a conversation Peter had with Jesus when he's talking about how they're gonna suffer for the gospel, and Peter looks at John and is like, what about the little short, short, cute one over there? Any of us? Come on. Let's keep it real. Any of us struggle? Like, I'm trying to love my Jesus and do right, and live right, and why are they blessed? Jesus looks right at Pedro and it's like, whoa. that's none of your concern. He'll have to go through things that he'll have to go through. But what I'm talking to you about is what you're gonna go through. Only Peter knows what it's like to deny Christ three times. Now, don't get me wrong. The rest of the boys denied. But Peter denied three times fulfilling a prophecy that Jesus gave. But then only Peter knew what it was like to be restored three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter gets to preach the message at the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were added to the church. Y'all, come on. But can we keep it real? If my first message, <laughs> Pastor Tony, our very first sermon ever, which was probably not what we would call the best one ever, right? Our very first message ever, 3,000 teenagers came to Christ. Y'all, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. I'd be like, what? I got this thing down. or <laughs> like, what the what? That's awesome. Some of the disciples, I mean, they're all full of the Holy Spirit, so they were feeling good at that moment, but like, some of them had to be like, how does Captain Open Mouth Insert Foot Guy preach a message to 3,000 people come to Christ? Right? Thomas was back there like, we're getting stoned, we're getting stoned, we're getting stoned. You know, John was like, I love him anyway. I love him anyway. You understand what I'm saying? Keeping it real. Guys, 12 men traveled with Jesus for three years. Guys, we can't travel with each other for three minutes without all kinds of inside jokes and such and such and such and such. There was a sporting event the other day and one of my friends cheers for the one team and I cheered for the winning team. And um, uh, I kindly reminded that person who owns this state and my friend, without even, I, I don't even, I don't even know if he typed it. It was just like thought right to keys. Had an amazing comeback to, I was laughing so hard. He was busting on me, but it was really good. Right? Can we keep it real? But that's, that's, that's real. Let's go to the word of God. Let's keep it real this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8-18, through 18, Peter, the man I just spoke about, is writing to a group of people who are being severely persecuted for their faith and their belief in Christ. Peter's writing them a letter to encourage them. Everybody say encourage. The people he's writing to love Jesus, wanna serve Jesus, wanna love one another, but are getting, they're getting literally murdered and persecuted for doing so. Guys, we lose our mind if Chick-fil-A gets boycotted, right? We lose our mind when when sinners show up and do sinner things. We we lose our mind when someone hijacks the rainbow flag. Are you hearing me? We, We get all thrown off course that way. These people were literally dying. These people were literally being persecuted for their faith. And Peter writes these words to them as encouragement. I gotta lift up my glasses so I can see. Finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic to one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. We're gonna pause there for a minute. Keeping it real, Jesus Christ is counterculture. Counterculture. I preached about it several times ago. It's an upside down kingdom. He does not do things the way we do things. He does not see things the way we see things. In the world that they were living in, if someone insulted you, you would respond with insult. If someone harmed you, you take out one of mine, I take out all of yours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The world they lived in, that was unspeakable. Can we be real, real? The world we live in is still the same way, right? It's still the same way. And sadly, sometimes even in the church, it's the same way. If they offend me, I'm gonna offend them back. Vengeance is his. (laughs) We wanna say mine, right? but we always forget that last part, says the Lord, right? Sometimes we want to take that vengeance. We're teaching it to our children, right? Whether it's their their games or their their situations or their circumstances, we live in that same world. But listen, he says, on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified in Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this new life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see in God, the son of God who loves me and gives himself for me. Can we be real, real? Too many times I look around and I see a bunch of zombies. You know what a zombie is? It's someone who should be dead without a brain, walking around. Now, being real, you got to watch the illustration. I talk to teenagers a lot. A Christian who should be dead in Christ, but still acts like the world, walking around in a dead man's body without a brain. All we can be at that moment is dangerous. Can we be real still? You want, are we done with real? We want to talk about something? To that, you were called. You were called to be insulted and return insult with blessing. You were called to be persecuted. Blessed are those who were persecuted for my name's sake. How else does a broken, lost, and dying world see what he looks like unless someone is living counterculturally? When we whine and moan and complain about the world treating us poorly rather than fast and pray and believe and and... can we be real still? The result you get is blessing when we do it his way. The result you get when you do it the world's way is the world's result. Let's keep going. And the next part of the passage here, it says, for whoever would love life and see good days, this starts off good. I want that. Must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. He's encroaching upon my freedom. We're going to get the freedom in a moment. They must... Turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Seeking peace does not mean you're seeking tranquility and lack of problems. There's a peace that passes all understanding that the Lord talks about giving us. That is a peace that is had in the midst of problems and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Everybody say righteous. And his ears are attentive to their prayer. okay, this is a sidebar, doesn't count towards my time. Um, Just before this in 1 Peter, Peter's talking to married couples and he gives the wives their responsibility and every guy like, praise the Lord. We're at a wedding. Pastor Tony did an amazing ceremony the other day and, and there's probably a reason the guy goes first and promising everything that he promises, right? Because it goes, God... The husband, if you don't like it, just argue with the word of God. Okay, listen, goes, the, 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 the umbrella of authority in our lives goes God, the husband, then the wife. She's not beneath him or below him, but beside him, but he is responsible to her and for her. What? Regardless of how she treats him. I have some friends watching on Facebook right now. This message is for you. God bless you. I love you. Because we're supposed to love her like Christ loves the church. How does the church often treat Jesus? Well, while we were still sinners, Christ died for her. Are you following me on this? Okay. But at the very end of that passage, the very, very last thing, it says, listen, treat your wives so well so that your prayers are not hindered. What? What? Did he just tell me the way I treat people could hinder my prayers? How you treat people says a whole lot about you, not about their value or their worth. Their value and their worth is worth the blood of Christ, the sacrificial life of Jesus Christ. That is everyone's worth. That is everyone's value. Whether living that value, experiencing that value, or wholeheartedly enjoying that value or not, that is their value because he died that all should have life. So how you treat people says a whole lot about you and your walk with Jesus. Are we still able to keep it real? Okay. I love you. When preaching a message like this, it is so hard. You can ask Pastor Tony. You can ask Pastor Alicia. When preaching a message like this, it is so hard because we must first be honest with ourselves. And our own shortcomings, then the enemy wants to say, "Well, you're not so great at all these things, so how can you tell anybody about them?" Can I keep it real? This was an amazing week of repentance. I listened to Ezekiel this week, bro. Can I tell you, Ezekiel was not a book for the lighthearted. There's a whole lot of Rebellion and consequence for that in Ezekiel. And then you get to the valley of dry bones, and I think around 36. And the dry bones that we spoke about in that song, God comes into a valley of dry bones that were dead and, and way beyond having life again. And Jesus breathes, God breathes life into those dry bones, and they become his flesh. There is no one beyond the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And his ears, it says, are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Moving on to verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? (laughs) Plenty of people. And that's why he says, if he stopped there, they'd be like, that is so not right. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. This comes from Isaiah. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, the leader. We love Jesus as Savior. We're not so hot on him as Lord. Let me explain. Savior, when you're drowning and someone throws you a rope, you really don't care. That's an awesome idea, right? You're bankrupt. Someone throws you a million dollars. You're like, thank you very much. When that same person says, now I'm in charge of your whole life. You will follow and obey. How many all know that? I appreciate the rescue. I'm good. I'm not dying now. We're in the boat. We're solid. Let's keep it real. But he says, Lord of your life. Whew. That's it. It's cute at Christmas when you put it in the songs but it's much more powerful than that when you say i'm following you to be a follower of Christ to be a true christian means that he's in front and you're behind where he goes you go what he does you does what he says you says you're like well how can you ask me that because jesus said everything i see the father doing i do everything i hear the father saying i say he has authority because he's one under authority powerful. I know, I know. Too much stuff. Here we go. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience. Whew. Guys, half of my repentance was, Lord, just help me have a clear conscience. It's not that I'm doing a ton of wicked and a ton of bad. I just, God, I want your heart. I want your mind. I want to see the things the way you see them. I want to interpret them the way you interpret them. I want to see people the way you see people. I, I don't want to interpret someone's actions or attitudes or thoughts or life wrongly and thus make their journey harder. I want to know your heart for them, right? I just want a clean conscience. I want to be able to speak to my wife kindly and not get frustrated when she never answers the phone or threaten to take all phones away because no one in my family answers their phone. Lord, I was just using that as an illustration. I am not frustrated at the moment. Y'all don't know the struggle. Can we keep it real? For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness for the unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in body, but made alive in the spirit. Peter encourages the believers with four things. We're gonna hit those quickly. We're gonna give you three ideas of of how we can keep it real. And then we're gonna pray. The four things that Peter was encouraging these, these brothers and sisters in Christ who were experiencing persecution, how they could keep it real how they can have authentic interaction with God and with with their families and with the world. He says, number one is we have a glorious purpose and a heavenly inheritance. Guys, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Listen to that. You have a glorious purpose. They say that the, 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 the best moment of life is knowing why you're here. Guys, I'm telling you why you're here. I'm answering the age-old question, why am I here? Coram Deo, preached on it a while ago. Your life is to be lived in the presence of God. It changes from situation to situation, but it should never leave you. Most terrifying scripture in the Old Testament was when the spirit of God had left the judge, Samson, and he did not know it. The presence of God departed from men and he did not know it. Our purpose is to live in the presence of God under the authority of God for the glory of God. And every moment of our lives, we should always want his presence because we're following. We always want to be under his authority because he's our Lord. And everything that we do think and say should glorify him. That keeps it real and real simple. I had a science teacher in high school who said, it's the kiss method, boy. I was like, mm. his name was Kermit. It's impossible to forget your entire life. But he was not a small frog. This man was like six, 10. He was huge. Very first day of class, I sat down. We were in his homeroom. I didn't even talk yet. He looked right at me. He goes, Mr. Bowers, you, sir, have an attitude problem. And I will isolate you like a disease. School had not started, this was homeroom, very first interaction. I was like, who told this guy about me? Like I'm famous, but he's huge and terrifying and I'm gonna do whatever that guy says. We have a glorious purpose in life. Listen, your purpose is not just to do your job every day. Your purpose is not just to love your wife and your children every day. Your purpose is to glorify God in everything you do. Whatever he puts in your hands today, be faithful with. If that's driving a truck with a bunch of tires in it like I did for two years, glorify God. If that means preaching from a pulpit, ministering to teenagers, if that means being a nurse, a doctor, a mom, whatever it is, glorify God. That means going to school, being in class, honoring your mother and father, glorify. That's your purpose is to glorify him in everything. And then we have a heavenly inheritance. He's like, listen, I know you're going through a hard time. I know you're getting persecuted for doing the right thing, but listen to me, you have a purpose. By the way you live your life, they will see him. We talked to the teenagers about it just this last week. When we share the love of Jesus, the heart of God, with other people and treat them well, they actually get to experience the love of Christ that we receive. That may be the only way that you get to experience the love of Jesus is through our lives. So when we treat them, especially when they're horrible, because while you were a sinner, he died for you. When we treat them like Christ would treat them, Whether they know him or not, they actually get to experience in that moment, the heart, the life, the love, the passion of Jesus. And who knows what that does? Who knows what that does? I know what it's done in all of you. It's changed your lives forever. Second thing he told him is, realize this, our faith and love will be tested and refined. How does that happen? Through difficulty and suffering. In this life, you will have troubles or sorrows or difficulties, right? It's a promise that we're going to experience it, but it's not for no purpose. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face the trials of many kinds. It's that testing of your faith that develops perseverance. Perseverance, continuing to go and to trust and to know and to have faith despite all evidence finishes its work, making you mature and complete, not lacking anything. Yeah, well, I don't like the process. Anyone here work out? Do you like that process? Oh, yeah, I love getting up in the gym and every morning. Yeah, some of you learn to love the process. My brother owns a CrossFit. I see the faces on those people. They can say they love in the process all they want. Their face shows otherwise. Financial security. It's not a mystery. It's a process. Does anybody like the process? Do you like the result? Yeah. It goes through difficulty and suffering. But in the end, in Christ's return, it does this. It produces praise and glory and honor at Christ's return. Coram Dale. I want to live my life in the presence of God. Every moment of it never denying him, never denying him. The horribleness of sin is one of two things. We act like he's not there and thus deny he exists, or we know he's there seeing us sin and we wanna do it anyway, which means he doesn't matter. Do you see how the horrificness of sin? It's literally claiming he either does not exist or he does not matter. What if your husband treated you as though you do not exist and you do not matter? What if your children treated you like you do not exist or you do not matter? That's a heartache. And some of you have experienced it. Can we keep it real? That's what our heavenly father feels on a multitude of scale. It produces praise and glory and honor at Christ's return. When was that? At Christ's return. We'll receive blessings in this life but we receive our reward one time when he comes back. But some of us aren't willing to play the long game and watch the bank account build. Some of us aren't willing to play the long game and see my body change over time, right? He wants them to remember this third thing. This great salvation was predicted by the Old Testament prophets. Listen, this is not a new promise. This is not a fleeting moment. This is not the newest, newest, hottest now. This is a promise since the beginning of time, prophesied by the Old Testament prophets and continuing on until he returns. How many of y'all are thankful for things that are promised over time? Unshakeable. It says in the last days that God will shake everything till that which cannot be shaken is the only thing that remains. His word, his promise is unshakable. Last thing he tells them is this. We must live holy lives clearly different than the world around us. Everybody say holy. Holy. Holy lives. Not good lives. The second O in good stands for overcommitted. You may do a lot of things, but they may not be God things. They're just good things. Because where your priority is, it's a little different. He's not rating so high. Look up at the screen, it says, the world demands their rights, the freedom to do what they want. We're Americans. I'm proud to be an American. I know what I mean? I love that song. But sometimes we get our national identity and my spiritual identity confused. Jesus Christ was not an American, no matter how bad you want him to be. Okay, it was not. Jesus ain't white, look like a European. That frustrates me to death. Okay, all the pictures we have of Jesus is a white European guy. How does that dude hide in Africa? You're like, what? As a baby, they took him to Africa to hide. If you bring the blonde haired, blue eyed Jesus to Africa, are you hiding? Can we keep it real for a second? The world demands their rights, the freedom to do what they want. The church should strive for righteousness. The freedom to become more like Christ. That's the difference between Lord and the guy who saved me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, first responder, thank you. But I'm gonna live the way I want to. Like you saved me from this heart attack, but I'm gonna continue to eat junk. And so most likely you'll have to come and help me again. The church should strive for righteousness. So, how do we keep it real, guys? I've got four simple ways that we can, or three simple ways that we can keep it real. Number one, keeping it real with God requires us to draw close to Him. How do you draw close to the Lord? How do you draw close to anybody? You, it requires time. Right? It requires time. You. you we talked about it in staff uh, on uh, Tuesday. We, we're we're going through the Celebration of Disciplines book. If you're not in a small group. What? Well, I'm just not connected. I, can we keep it real? This is not. This is an infomercial for Pastor Tony, who did not ask me to do this, and I take all responsibility. But I am sick and tired of being in churches. We're like, well, I just don't feel connected. Nobody knows that I'm here. No one said hi to me today. Okay, first of all, do you have any idea how busy your pastors are on a Sunday morning? If you listen close enough, you can hear it. It plays in my ears from like 745 until we leave, okay? Listen, if you're not connected, we have small groups. Get connected. If no one's saying hi to you, be the person who says hello to someone, to anyone. Maybe they have not been said hello to either. Listen, the body of Christ only works when we are being relating to one another. That's our responsibility, right? Do you walk into an athletic club? No one talked to me. No one worked out with me. Do you walk into McDonald's? Well, I mean, technically they say hi to you because they want your order. But you're like, I'm not gonna eat this food. No one talked to me. This place is not friendly. I mean, it's a clown as a mascot. It can't be that mean. right? It's we must take responsibility. I'm trying to lighten up because I'm about to swing heavy. All right, here we go. Keep it real. You must pray. Jesus said, when you pray and when you fast, not if you pray and should you fast. Every Wednesday, we're giving you a focus. We're saying, listen, we're going to fast. We're going to not partake in something to position us to hear from someone named Jesus. Every time I'm hungry on Wednesday, I'm like, Jesus, and listen to me. For some of us, that is a constant reminder. Are you feeling me? You do not build this body through not feeding it. If my body is the body of Christ, I want to be a mega church. That's all I'm saying, praise the Lord. I could be a small church, but I want to be a big one. No, listen to me. Every time I'm hungry, every hunger pain, every like, oh, I would like one of those. I'm like, Jesus. Every time I want to sign on Facebook, I'm like, wow, Lord, for all the drama that's happening on there right now. God bless them, anoint them, change the algorithm and get them off of my feed. Hey, sometimes you got to keep it real, you know what I'm mean? saying? Right? We've got to pray, we've got to fast, we've got to worship, we've got to be around him and with him and talk to him. And when we talk to him, I don't, listen, maybe you're like, heavenly father, Lord God of all that is mighty and holy. Holy. Thine kingdom come, you all the creator. I mean, you may talk like that. Not going to bust on any people because I actually have a friend who prays like that when we were in college. And I, I was not being what you would call rude, but I looked, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I didn't know he, uh, he grew up praying King James in the South. I was like, I'm so sorry, it just doesn't sound like you. Does he know that you when you're talking like that? <laughs> when I pray I'm like, "Yo, Lord, it's me. How's your day today?" Which always gives me a chuckle. I'm like, "Hey, Jesus, how's your day?" And then I think, "Wow, how is your day? What horrible things are you seeing everywhere?" My like, God, I'm sorry you have to see so much of that. Please don't have to see that in me. I talk to him for real when I'm going through it and I don't understand something. I think, "Hey, today, you stinketh. <laughs> this situation rotteth. And I want out. I'm, you have to be real. Right? Guys, don't, you don't come to him fake. You come to him real. If he knows the words that are on your tongue before you say them, Psalm 139, what are you hiding? Just be real. He knows how you feel about it. He wants you to talk to him about it. Be real. Keeping it real with God calls us to draw close. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. The problem is that we keep drop kicking them. Get your hands off, get your hands off. Is it not true? In Revelation it says, lo, I stand at the door and knock. That's not to the lost. He's standing outside the church house, the follower of Christ's house, and he's like, let me back in. Tony Cruz, I know you're in there and you're all hiding, right? <laughs> you turn those lights off too slow, man. I know you're in there. We have to, listen, we, we can, I'm trying to make you laugh and giggle a little bit, but listen, it's sincere. You will die without him. You will suffer and you will die and you will be dry bones and you will be a miserable Christian. Does that mean you don't go through problems? You gotta be like, hey, praise the Lord. Hell opened up a 10 gallon jar and I'm just loving it. How can I help you today? No. 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 It means saying, look, man, I am going through insane issues right now. Will you be will you will you will you pray with me? Can you intercede with me? Can we talk to the Father together? Draw close to him. Keeping it real with your family. Y'all, how many all know how family's the easiest people on the planet to love? Keeping it real. Real fake right up here. How many of y'all know that sometimes family are the hardest people to love? Do you know why? It's the same reason why my wife can make me feel more love and more joy and more happiness or more anger, frustration, and bitterness because she has 100% pure, unadulterated access to all of me. Your family is the closest thing you have to you. It's not the issue right now that you're dealing with. It's, it is the conglomeration of your whole life of them. That's why they frustrate us so much. And we love them more than anyone. And we want for more than them and anyone. So we hurt with them more than anyone. And we're hurt by more than them, but more than anyone. Why does Jesus give us the fatherly relationship, a family relationship to explain our relationship with him? As children of God, we're that knucklehead kid who causes dad and mom you have so much heartache, right? So what is his response? John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must, not optional, keeping it real, must love one another. We told the students the other day, love's not a warm and fuzzy. I mean, there are several different kinds of, of love, there's the Phileo love, which is like brotherly. There's the Eros love that which is husbandly. There's the Agape love that says, "In spite of you, I'm going to love you." It's going to kill me, but it's going to bless you." God tell me once more about my glorious purpose and my inheritance in heaven. And let it come quickly right? Keeping it real. My coach always says this, if it doesn't work at home, don't export it. I struggle with fake people. And this is why. I have a ton of issues. Um, recently, and I'm not trying to capitalize on the situation. Recently, a young, successful minister took their own life. There is nothing we want more in our lives than for you to know him and love him and follow him. We make great sacrifices. Not that you make none. But we make great sacrifices and have dedicated our entire lives to doing the best that we can with his help to show you how valuable he is, how loving he is, and how worthy he is of your life and love. Do you know how many times we have wept and cried? because those we are trying to love the most either ignore the godly counsel that we're giving, make demands that no human being on the planet could ever fulfill. It is a heavy weight. are we going to be flawless? Are we going to be perfect? Are you going to like everything that we say? Oh, that was a good message. Oh, that was a good song. Oh, that was a good worship service. Like, what is good? What is good? You enjoyed it? You were entertained by it? Do I entertain you? Are you not entertained? We're not trying to entertain. We're trying to inspire and encourage and equip. Our joy is made complete when you take the word of God. Believe it, live it, and share it with others. Can I keep it real? If it don't work at home, don't export it. When we live and draw close to God and we're loving with one another, Jesus said at the end of telling us we have to love each other, not optional. Choice. Choice not emotional, commitment, that the whole world would know we are his disciples by our love for one another. We talk about the latest hottest now church. We talk about big church, small church, country church. All, we talk about all kinds of different churches and, and we have all kinds of different ways to succeed, to, to, to judge their success or their, uh, uh, or their effectiveness. I'm waiting for the day when that is judged by love. When you'll walk into a church and it's good or not good by how they love one another. But you know what that requires? Each of us to love one another. Pastor Tony loves you. He started on this journey with his wife and a bingo hall and little kids. He loves you. That's not a question. He's never stopped loving you. Or loved you more or loved you less. The question is, will we love one another? And when that happens, the whole world will know we're his disciples. Notice he didn't say that they'll know that you're his disciples by how you look down upon them when they sin. Or how you treat them poorly because of their behavior. Or how you say, I am holier than you away from me. They will know you by your love for one another. Number three, keeping it real with the world requires us to be authentic. Go to that last slide for me. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna end it. This will probably be a record at 41 Oh, my last slide it should be uh Your life must bring legitimacy to the message that you preach. Oh, you're so, I did a big idea. I close with this. Your life has to bring legitimacy to the message that you preach. Children are good at seeing fake, but they love Jesus. If you're fake, a kid knows it. They just do. Lost and broken people travel in a lost and broken world. They can see authentic from unauthentic fairly quickly. I love when Dan Varner comes to me with the biggest cheesy smile on his face. You can just tell he, I have to tell someone this story. And I'm like, well, what is it, big fella? And he's telling me about some people he met at the motorcycle rally. And, he's, and then big Dan, big Dan, like dude's big. Like I don't feel tiny often, but when I look up, I'm like, you were a big man. Right? Imagine what like, little bikers are feeling sometimes. Not that all little bikers are little, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but he tells about how he's just offering some water and then suddenly gets a conversation and he just lets them know how much Jesus loves them. And that's why they're there. We're here to let you know he loves you because no one may have told you. We're here to let you know you matter because no one may have told you today. And they're like, "Whoa, oh, you know. But how many of you guys know that Light pierces darkness. Light pierces darkness. Darkness never gobbles up the light. And when you're authentic and you're loving and you're big like that, and what they may have perceived about you is different than what they're getting, that's life transforming. That's life transforming. If you draw close to him, If you love your family, the ones you're related to, and your spiritual family, it brings authority and power to the message that you preach. If your life does not bring legitimacy to the message that you preach, you're spouting words, they may be true, but an encounter with you is not changing anyone. But you have a glorious purpose and a heavenly inheritance. So the money verse of the whole thing is is verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. He's in charge. He's leading your following behind. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have. Hope is not happiness. Happiness is not one of the fruits of the Spirit. There's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's patience, there's kindness, there's goodness, there's gentleness, there's faithfulness, there's self-control. Happiness is not on there because it's experientially based. My situations and my circumstances determine whether I'm happy or not. But hope and joy are totally different. Hope says this, what, Do I hope. Hope is an absolute assurance that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he promises to do. What is my hope? While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. What is my hope? That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What is my hope? His promise that in this life you will have problems. You're like, that's not a hope. Yes, it is. He told you ahead of time, you can take it to the bank. So when you're experiencing problems, something unusual is not happening to you. If they hated me, they'll persecute you. That's a hope. That what I'm experiencing by being being persecuted for loving Jesus is that I'm experiencing the same things he experienced. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's hope. No matter what your circumstances or situations, no matter whether you feel him or not. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's promised you that he knows the plans he has for you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. You're like, well, I've experienced harm. We've experienced tests and trials and tribulations, which mold us into the character and the heart of God. He promises us that he's going to prepare a place for us and that where I will be, so you will also be with me. He's promised us that he's coming back again. He's promised us that while we have pain for a little while, there will be glory forever. He's also promised us that you have a job to do. While you're still here, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You will be transformed through the renewing of your mind through the word of God. And that when you share the word of God, it'll never come back void. For it's the power of God for salvation. He promised you that he would send to us the Holy Spirit who would empower us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, our home, Judea, our town, Samaria, all of our states and country and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Those are the promises of God. To do that, we've got to draw close to him. To do that, we have to love them. To do that, we must live authentic lives. Can we do that on our own? The song told us, no, I can't do anything on myself. Here's the best news of it all. Here's the best news of it all. We're going to pray. You ready? He knows you can't do any of this in yourself. That's why in Galatians, he says, you no longer live. But Christ lives in you. In this life which you now live in the flesh, you live by faith, being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you have not yet seen. And that he who began that work in you will continue it until it's complete. He who began the work in you, not the work you began in yourself. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. That doesn't even depend on you. And we're convinced that nothing can remove us from him, either in heaven above or hell below. Psalm 139 says, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I run from your presence? If I rise on the wings of the dawn or settle on the far side of the sea, even there, his hand will guide us. His right hand will hold us fast. If you are in the midst of pain, If you are in the midst of trial, if you are in the midst of struggle, if you are in the midst of this hurts a whole lot, encourage you, number one, let us help you. We may not be able to remove you from your situation, but we can support you and join you in the journey. Draw close to the Lord. Let your family love you. And let the world see how men and women of God experience tests, trials, and tribulations that they too may have hope. Because the love you share with them enables them to experience the love of Christ that's been shared with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you, love you, love you. And we thank you so much. You love us too. Bless this word. Let it take root. Lord, in our hearts, help us to keep it real, to never be fake, but to be open and honest with you. First and foremost, to love one another even in the midst of our struggles and our, and, and our, our difficulties and sometimes in celebration of, of our successes. And Lord, through all of that, being close to you and loving one another, let this world know the transforming power of the love of Jesus because that is our glorious, glorious, glorious opportunity. That's our purpose in life. We'll get our inheritance in the end. But for now, help us on the journey. In Jesus' name I pray.